Welcome into Ball. He is ESPN's Tom Luganville, Michigan at Penn State, Kentucky hosting Alabama, Ole Miss at Georgia, and potential chaos. We will cover all of those games on Ball. The show presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at MyBookie.ag. Get that deposit match of 50% up to $1,000. That is a great deal for you at MyBookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. MyBookie.ag. We got Luganville out of his element. He is in Buffalo, New York, getting ready for some action. <laughs> Actually, I'm in my element this time of year. This is uh, game number three in six days, getting ready to uh, to come off of that for a little while, get the schedule to settle down a little bit, and then looking forward to Texas at TCU on um, on Saturday night. But uh, yeah, whether it's Sunbelt, whether it's Maction, you know, just kind of going back and forth from the booth to the field, it's a lot of fun for me this time of year. Texas at TCU will be part of our final topic in the potential chaos in college football. We'll discuss some potential chaos scenarios, but let's start with the biggest game in the country. It is an 11 o'clock Fox kick on their big noon kickoff as Penn State plays host to Michigan. Lugabil, we have been waiting for two months of football now for Michigan to play a team of the Pulse. We finally will get to see it. They're about a five-point favorite at mybookie.ag. I mean, this is what we want to see. They have beaten teams exactly the way really good teams are supposed to beat really bad teams. But we all want to see them get challenged, and this will finally be a yeah. challenge for them. Yeah, I think it will be. You know, it's interesting when you when you try to consider and, and analyze the dominance of, of Michigan. You know, they've only had two teams on the schedule the entire year that have scored more than seven points. I mean, <laughs> it, there's been 10. Purdue was uh, 13. Um, 10, I think, Minnesota. Everybody else has been 7, 6, 3, or 0. Wow. And – you know, when you may not realize it because you look at Penn State and you say, okay, well, they lost the, you know, the Ohio State game and they, they, they couldn't throw the football effectively. Um, but then you look at the stat line and you're like, whoa, Drew Aller has 20 touchdown passes and one interception. And you, you wouldn't have thought that, right? You would have said, well, you know, he's having a pretty good year for a young guy, redshirt freshman. But I think the thing that stands out about this matchup for me is unless – Michigan smuggles number 18 uh, from Ohio State uh, in their luggage on the way to to Penn State. I think from a skill position standpoint, this is a much more favorable matchup for Penn State than Ohio State was. Because as good and as methodical as Michigan is, they're not like a speed and space, create all these explosive plays, get you one-on-one. Like They're not running around out there, in my opinion, with like an Xavier Worthy, okay? Or they're not running out there with an Isaiah Bond and, you know, some of these explosive creative playmakers. And, of course, you know, Marvin Harrison's a freak. So this may actually end up matching up better uh, for Penn State than than the Ohio State game was on paper. If you were to build a style of football, maybe not this team, they have not been tested, but a style of football that is built to go win in hostile environments on the road, is it not the style Michigan plays? Yeah, I think it absolutely is. And it's not just the style in terms of tone, scheme, approach. It's the style in which they do not hurt themselves. I mean, Ryan, they don't turn the ball over. They don't commit penalties. I think they're averaging less than three penalties a game. I mean, that's uh, an unbelievable number, right? So, um, you know, they, they don't drop passes. They don't have procedural penalties. I mean, how much college football have we all watched this fall? We sit there and we're scratching our heads that we're still seeing procedure penalties yeah. all the time, right? They don't do that. So you take their talent, you combine it 
with a, a smart style of play, a physical uh, nature of play. And it's, to be honest with you, and I know the Big Ten's down, but to be honest with you, it's, it's really no wonder. I don't, I don't care about the cheating allegations and all that. If you took that and just removed that from the equation and, and it did not exist right now, and you just looked at their team and the mistakes that they don't make, nobody should be surprised that this is what the record is. I saw this stat earlier today. It's from Fox College Football on Twitter that there are four teams in America that are top 10 scoring offense and top 10 scoring defense. Obviously, two of, two of them are in this game, uh, Penn State and Michigan. Before we move on from that, I'm curious. I think the other one's pretty obvious. There are four top 10 scoring offense, top 10 scoring defense in America, Michigan, Penn State. I think the third one is fairly obvious. I don't think you can get the fourth one. I couldn't. Is it is the third one Oregon? The third one's Georgia. Third one's Georgia. It's yeah. not Oregon? Not Oregon. They didn't have it. Now, I, I can, you know, if you'll give me two seconds, I'll confirm. The fourth one blew my mind, though. Like, I haven't thought of this team top hardly. Top scoring offense and top scoring Yep, top defense. 10 in scoring offense and scoring defense. Top 10 in scoring offense and scoring defense. Um, I can uh, see where Oregon oh, is. It's, let, me, let, me, let me, are you going to, all right. If you on. get this. No, I'm not going to get it. I was going to make I was going to make a, a jump at, it, but I wouldn't get it. What is Oregon? It? By the way, Oregon just barely misses. They're 11th. How about that? Okay. So Oregon could easily move into this. SMU seven to two. SMU is the other one. Wow. Um, which I looked. It's a little skewed. They've had a couple of shutouts against bad teams. Yeah. Uh, which has helped that, but nobody has really blown them off the map. I think they lost to TCU and they lost to another Oklahoma. Yeah, and Oklahoma it was like 28 to 11. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. So they, you know, they didn't get blown out by the teams. They the two losses that they had. So uh, it was interesting. But all that said, here are two of those teams, and you you wonder how much of it is real, right? I mean, is Penn State a good enough offense to be a top ten scoring offense in America, or is that a lot of schedule and everything Michigan has done? Is that a lot of schedule? I, you know, I because we talk about Michigan being tested. Really, how much has Penn State been tested outside of the Ohio State game? That's really the only time we've seen them tested. Right. And I guess you could say, yeah, does schedule matter? Of course it does. But then explain to me how Penn State scored 31 points on Iowa. Yeah. Nobody's scoring on Iowa. You know, that would be kind of the equivalent of scoring 31 points on Utah or, right, right. Uh, you know, or Alabama or somebody. So, um, listen, I, I think so much of the schedule right now is a fair argument of, of, against Michigan and Penn State. But really, I think what this comes down to is probably the same conversation we had with Penn State going on the road at Ohio State. It's a definition game for James Franklin. How can he get out from under this just huge shadow of his teams underperforming and being underwhelming versus great football teams? And, you know, we saw we saw Jim Harbaugh have to, to work, you know, through that. Speaking of that, I don't know if you've seen the numbers out there on the games that where Michigan covered in his first four or five years versus the last four or five years. Yeah. That is a very, very staggering, stark contrast. So, so someone asked, what changed? What changed? In yeah, those, what uh, changed during yeah. that time? Because all of a sudden yeah. they're beating Ohio State. They're winning games against yeah. top 10 teams. So. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. What changed? Yeah. In that time? But, I mean, James Franklin is never going to shake this until probably in the same year he beats Ohio State and Michigan. Um, and, and you look now the divisions are gone, so it kind of it's never going to lose its luster to beat Ohio State, Michigan in the same year. I don't know how often he's going to get them in the same year without divisions. 
So, yeah. I mean, he may never fully shake this thing until, I don't know, he goes undefeated or something. Yeah, and I think in terms of baby steps, if you could just get one of them, right? Yeah. Like maybe just quiet the doubters and, and have some enthusiasm and, you know, something that gives your trajectory an upward turn. Um, it would probably a great be a great step in, in the right direction. And like I said, this may be a better matchup. And they're at home, all right? So I, I, I do think that's important, too, because Michigan ha- – I mean, look at their road games. Look at who they've played against on, on the road. I mean, it's not as – you know, as if they've been going into places where not only are they not the best team, but, you know, going into Penn State, that's a different animal now. I mean, that, 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 that place is – get really on top of you. Uh, yeah, you said that, by the way, you were talking about that with Bedlam, and I saw your sideline report when you showed it on ABC, just how close it is. I mean, it is remarkable. Yeah. Like, you were standing at those paddles, and you took, like, one one big step to the side, and you're on the field, to the point, like, I, the referee was ready to <laughs> ready to start playing. You're standing right there with him. Dude, it, it's, it's to be honest with you, it's it's really surprising nobody's gotten seriously hurt. I mean, yeah. it really is. And and you're right. You know, we had the noise meter out there, and I'm and I had our camera guy pan down to where you could see the pylon, and all he had to do is pan over a couple of feet, and there's the wall. That's right. And the the corner of the end zone is almost even worse at that point, further down the end zone. But and, and the wall's probably I'm six one. It's probably seven feet, maybe seven foot five. Yeah, far enough, high enough to where you could reach down and grab a player. In fact, that's why they have awnings over the benches on both sidelines so that fans can't just reach down and, and grab somebody or touch somebody. Um, but it's not high enough to prevent somebody from jumping over it. No, we saw that <laughs> at the end so, of the game. Yeah, yeah. They're right on top of you. Yeah, I know. Uh, we, we had another Lugerville store. Used to, you were uh, the weather guy, bad weather guy. You've, you've, you've broken away from that a little bit. Now you're the uh, field storm guy. I mean, like, that like, means we're getting good games. That's true. That's a good, that's a positive. Yeah. But you, you've been in a couple positive. field storms this year. Yeah, I have. That one was, wasn't near as difficult as the Duke one, though, just because at the Duke one, they let the, they let the kids on the field with three minutes to go in the game. <laughs> They at least made it more difficult uh, for Oklahoma State. Yeah. Uh, it is ball with ESPN's Tom Lukabille. It's presented each week by MyBookie.ag. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. Code next round right now and get that 50% match when you make your initial deposit up to $1,000. They're going to match you 50% up to $1,000 at MyBookie.ag. That is when you use code next round. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. Code next round. Also, Manscaped.com. One of their new products is the Handyman. You can take it on the road with you, get a great shave. It is compact, easy to travel with. The Handyman is uh, from Manscaped.com. They've also got the Beard Hedger, which uh, they don't have the detachable guards. They've got the dial-up guard, uh, so you don't gap your beard. Uh, they have got the uh, lawnmower, which takes care of uh, the undercarriage and the rest of the body. And then they got the Weed Whacker that takes care of the nose hair and the ear hair, so you don't look like an old man. So everything for the Handyman. To the Beard Hedger, Lawnmower, Weed Whacker, also their great boxer shorts, great uh, male body products right there at manscaped.com. And you can save 20% on your first order with code BROWN20. That's my last name, BROWN20. Manscaped.com, code BROWN20 saves you 20%. All right, Alabama is on the road coming off their big win over LSU. They go to Kentucky. I do think Alabama benefits from start time here. We were just talking about 11 o'clock start time. Uh, for the Penn State Michigan game, I think if you're if when you're the road team, I always hear coaches say this, Luke's. I want the earliest start time possible on the road. I don't want to have to sit around all day. 
Get them up, get them out of bed, yeah. get them moving, get through your meetings, get to the stadium. Don't allow for lag time. Don't allow for downtime. Um, it's, uh, I remember it vividly as a player, and I can see why I, they're just as a different mentality, different mindset. And um, so I, I get it. Like, I totally get it. It makes sense to me. And to be honest with you, I, I think the players like it too. I, yeah. I really do. I really do. Now, obviously, there's the hype and the fanfare of, you know, a game like last week with LSU and, and Alabama or, you know, Bedlam like we had in the early evening, and and that makes sense. But, man, getting out and getting going, especially this time of year, like, yeah. get it over with. Right? Yeah, get I going. agree. So, Kentucky, I think, historically likes to try to ugly a game up, and they like to get you at a rhythm, get you off your center, uh, just make you have to do things you don't normally do defensively. Um, they, they, against quality this year, they haven't really been able to do that. Tennessee was able to move the football on them. Georgia was able to move it at will on them, basically. And Alabama is obviously on that level. Can they do that to Alabama's offense? Uh, I, to Alabama's offense, I would say that, you know, I think that they will be ready for the task. They will right. be tough. They will be physical at the point of attack. I think they're going to be outmanned athletically. Um, and if this Kentucky team was playing Alabama, I don't know, five weeks ago, right? maybe we're having a different conversation. But it's not so much, the, the, to me, it's not so much the Kentucky-Alabama mismatch with Alabama on offense and Kentucky on defense. It's the other way around. Because I think this really plays into the hands of what Alabama wants to do on defense, and that is not have to worry about where the quarterback's going to be. Yeah. With Devin Larry, you know exactly where he's going to be on every spot, and you also know you're likely not in danger of him just taking off and gashing you. All right, that that is music to Nick Saban's ears, and so that means that if the focus is on the run game, which it's going to be, which it is for everybody that lines up and plays Kentucky. And I think Alabama is dominant enough on defense to do to Kentucky's run game what Georgia did in Athens. Right. Um, you put the ball in the hands of a quarterback that's completing 57% of his passes. He's completed 47%, uh, 50%, uh, multiple bad outings, except for the Tennessee game over the last five weeks. Devin Leary has not played good football. So if they can't run it, um, they're going to need a monster performance in the passing game from Devin Leary. And there's nothing that I have seen that would tell me that that would be good enough for them to just go out and beat Alabama. So on the defensive side, I mean, Alabama had not had the design quarterback runs for weeks now, weeks. Whether it was a pulled hamstring, I don't know. But you got to think every defensive coordinator right now has to, whatever game plan they had for Alabama's offense, they I don't know that they have to entirely crumble the thing up. I'm not going to crumble this up because it's my TV schedule. I don't know that they entirely <laughs> have to crumble it up. But they got to add some pages now, right? I mean, Jalen Milrow yeah. makes every future defensive coordinator think. Well, he absolutely does. And they make you think about the creative improvised plays. But then when you turn on the tape versus LSU, it was, oh, wait a minute. That's the design quarterback That's right. run. That's designated quarterback run. Now, you know, they have an extra hat on us. They're outnumbering us. And they're doing it with a better athlete. If that guy gets in space, we're in trouble. You know, yeah. and to be honest with you, in fairness, Jaden Daniels did that up and down the field in the first half against Alabama. And I thought a lot of that for Alabama defensively was, was poor gap integrity, rushing past the level of the quarterback, opening the front door, and you gave him the gate to take it. 
and then they settled down defensively. But when, when you're playing Alabama offensively now, you have to worry about quarterback run, improvised plays, play action that changes the launch point, and moving the pocket through boot and naked action. And it's a lot. If you noticed last week, they got him out on the perimeter, and it was, it was a run-pass option, not your typical RPO, but he was out on the perimeter to throw it first and then run if he could. And there were a couple of times where I don't think he would have done this four or five weeks ago. I think he would have got on the per- perimeter because he was trying to fit into a mold, and he would have thrown it anyway. And then all of a sudden, the other night, he gets that, and he second guesses and goes, wait a minute, Ooh, there's a gap. Take it. Like Tommy Reese told us before the Arkansas game, if you see that first thing right now, run or pass, go, do it. Yeah. We're not trying to script you into playing a certain way. Don't be hesitant in taking what you see if it's there immediately. And I think what happens when he does that and he's starting to get into that frame of mind, there's less pressure on the offensive line. He's less prone to hold onto the ball, which means he's less prone to get hit and take sacks. Do you are you forced into considering a spy for him with the increased designed runs, not just the fact that he can scramble and kill you, but with designed runs, does it force you into considering the spy for him more defensively? Well, designed spies aren't generally for designed runs. Okay. They're more of a coverage-based approach when um, they might be throwing it and he's back there and you've got that guy kind of spying it and they're waiting for him to either take off and run and this and that, and you're responsible for that. What it does force you to do with designed quarterback run is potentially have to bring another body in the box. So let's just say, let's just say um, – uh, Alabama's in 12 personnel. They've got one tight end, they've got two backs, and they've got the quarterback, all right? So that's yeah. five offensive linemen, a tight end, that's six. And then potentially eight blockers. The quarterback's the runner now. So even if you have seven in the box, which is a heavy box, they still got you outnumbered by one. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have any success in the quarterback run game offensively, defensive defenses may have to bring an extra guy down the box. Now, when they do that, now you man people up on the outside. Guess what happens when you're manned up? You're vulnerable for explosive plays and shots over the top, which is where he's been really good is the vertical passing game. So it's a bit of a pick your poison. And I think, listen, the evolution of college football over the last 15 years has been because of this one particular era or area. And that is, it's almost like going back to single wing football or going back to the 70s and 80s and the true wishbone triple option football where the quarterback is part of the run game. You're playing 11 on 11. Then we went away from that for, you know, a decade or so and this and that. And then it was the one back offense. And then it started to be the, the spread. And then there was the quote unquote wildcat. And all of these different things were created for a numbers advantage. And so now what's happened to the recruitment of the quarterback position? I mean, I'm seeing less and less and less just true, natural, drop back, prototypical passers. What everybody's looking for now is they will trade. They will trade a certain level of height, a certain level of arm strength for a guy that can take off and run. All right. He is ESPN's Tom Luganbill. It is ball. The show is presented by mybookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on to mybookie.ag. And you get that sign-on bonus right now, uh, 50% of your initial deposit up to $1,000. That is free money for mybookie.ag. 50% sign-on bonus. You can play it right away. Win once with it. It is yours and yours forever. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at mybookie.ag. If you're looking for plays to use there, lanceslock.com. Now, listen, if you follow the show and follow Lance's Lock, we're transparent. He had a terrible weekend. He is on that one, but he turned it right back that around. That rarely happens. 
I know, I know, but it happened. It happened. He turned it right back around though Monday with a five and zero. Oh. So I mean, there you go. You, you can't get beat twice, right? Can't let one game <laughs> beat you twice. So he didn't let the weekend beat him five and zero oh on Monday. Lanceslock.com, uh, daily, weekly, monthly, season long packages there at Lanceslock.com. Lanceslock.com. All right, let's talk about Ole Miss at Georgia, uh, and, and this kind of falls into our last topic as well, the potential chaos. We'll get to other games, uh, and I don't even know how chaotic that would be. Georgia is a one-loss conference champion is still in the, the playoffs, so it's not, not a ton of chaos there. Lane Kiffin brings a team in that, um, by and large, has been a really good football team this year, Lugs. Now, yeah. you, you know, that was such a weird uh, game against Texas A&M. They run the ball in to go up 21 to nothing, and that game is over. It gets called back for a hold. They have to settle for a field goal, which is blocked in return. All of a sudden, it's 14 to 7, yeah. and they never could put Texas A&M away. So a weird game. Uh, do they have the elements required to go on the road and beat a team like Georgia? I, I, I think of the teams remaining, they have the best shot. Um, and, and not assuming that we're going to see an Alabama-Georgia game in SEC title. Right, right. Just in the regular season, uh, left. I, I think it does help Georgia a little bit to have had played Missouri the week before this game because there's some similarities there in terms of explosive playmaking capability, a big-time wide receiver, quarterback was extremely efficient coming into that game. They knew they were going to get some pace. Um, you know, the thing that impresses me about, about Ole Miss is they hang around, right? They've won a lot of one-possession games. And I say that, I even include, you know, Georgia Tech was 24-17 going into the fourth quarter. They ended up pulling away. I was watching on the sideline Tulane and Ole Miss, and to be honest with you, Tulane had no business winning that game. They yeah. come back and they and they win the thing late. And so outside of the Alabama game, you know, the LSU game is another prime example. They have found ways to finish, and they have found ways to come up um, with the victory. I think the whole entire key to all of this, and it is every week, and I don't care if it's Georgia or anybody else, pay close attention to what happens to Ole Miss on first down. If if Ole Miss on first down is successful, or if Ole Miss on first down gets 10 yards or gets 12 yards, then buckle your chin strap because they're going to snap the next ball within 10 seconds. Yeah. And then they're going to try to snap the next one within 10 seconds. That is their game. They are track meet oriented. That's what they want to be at all times. They want to put pressure on you, keep you on your heels. And then what they're going to do is they're going to blend that inside run game with horizontal quick throws to get your defense running like this. And the next thing you know, you're running like this. You're worried about stopping the run. And Trey Harris over the top, right? Yeah. But and he's, a, he's a stud, by the way, Trey Harris. Holy smokes, is he a stud. Yeah. And that's the other thing about Ole Miss right now is they're about as healthy as they could be. This yeah. is a way more healthy team than they were the first four weeks of the season. Um, you know, they didn't have Judkins. They didn't have Harris. They were, I mean, they were hurting um, offensively. And even uh, Jackson Dart was banged up a little bit. So I just think that the whole key is whether or not Ole Miss can play their game. If Georgia gets them off schedule and doesn't allow them to play fast, then that's going to play into the hands of, of Georgia. And um, I, I think it's going to be a fantastic football game. As with just about every time you play Georgia or Alabama, um, if you recall the Alabama Ole Miss game and the 10 uh, tackles for loss, all of the pressure and the disruption in the backfield, what did it do? Got Ole Miss off schedule. What happened to their offense? They really struggled because they weren't dictating terms. If Georgia does that, you might see a similar result. If Georgia doesn't do that, we might see a shootout in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, where Lane Kiffin seems to be the most dangerous is when he can keep his offense on schedule in terms of down and distance so that he can continue running the football. I mean, that yes, everybody thinks Elena is this wide open, crazy offensive coordinator. No. There, there, there are very few coaches more dedicated to the run than Lane Kiffin. And as long as they could stay on schedule, he is more than happy to run the football. He is, and he wants to run it quickly on the next play. So either right. you're misaligned or you haven't lined up correctly because it's happening so fast and he gets you out of gap or he gets you yep. a false step in one direction. I mean, it's it's really good stuff, but you have to be successful on first on, on the first down. If you're not, it does not work. All right, that is uh, Ole Miss, and they are playing at Georgia. That is a 6 o'clock ESPN game. We're about to talk at the same time. 6.30, Luganville's game, Texas TCU. That's part of our potential chaos as we talk on ball with ESPN's Tom Luganville. It is presented by MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at MyBookie.ag for that sign-on bonus of 50% up to $1,000. Get that sign-on bonus by using code next round at MyBookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. Also, apparel on this show provided by Roback. Roback.com with those beautiful, comfortable, soft hoodies, and quarter zips, golf shirts, the crew neck sweatshirts, the great pants. They've got it all right there at Roback.com. You've seen Coach O, the acting CEO at Roback.com. Code TNR20 to get 20% off your first order when you use it at checkout there. TNR20 is your code at Roback.com. All right, I just want to run through some of these games uh, that are potential chaos games. We've talked about Michigan, Penn State. We've talked about Alabama, Kentucky. Let's start with Utah at Washington. 2.30 Fox Give me something in Utah, Washington that I need to look for that could be potential chaos. Can Utah spring that upset? I think Utah could get some stops, right, and get some more possessions offensively. I don't like that this game is on the road for Utah just because of their current quarterback position. They're sufficient, I guess you could call them, but they're not cam rising, right? And so, and and that's reared its ugly head. It certainly did against Oregon. They got away with it against SC because SC is just horrendous on defense but right now washington looks like they are too that's not the same team that beat oregon right now if this game was on was in rice echoes i call for an upset the fact that it's not i think it will be close but washington wins uh same time now let me say this about washington real quick um they've struggled on one side of the ball or the other for three straight weeks now they struggled yes. offensively against arizona state and then back-to-back -back weeks defensively against stanford and usc and mm -hmm. if, if that were standalone against usc i'm like look i get it caleb williams but it's two weeks in a row where they've gotten no stops defensively. And in right. Utah, as physical as they could be, that does worry me a little bit if I'm watching. Well, yeah, I, there's no question it does because, you know, with, with the way Utah plays, and, and again, the way Utah responded last week too, I think Utah responded angry, you know. Yeah. And so maybe that gives them some, some confidence uh, going up to the Northwest. I think it's going to be a good game. I just, if somehow, some way, Washington, Washington were to get up big early. I don't know if Utah's built to, to get into that mode of uh, play. Uh, for all you kids out there, this used to be the biggest rivalry in America. Miami at Florida State, 2.30 ABC, right before Lugabill's game. Um, Miami did not play well last week. I get it. But we've seen them when they put it all together. If they do put it all together, is it a fight for Florida State? Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, is that a big if uh, to some yeah. degree? They've got it athletes. Is. Yeah. They've got athletes. I mean, they've shown, like you said, they've shown at times to be really, really good. They've, to some degree, been able to rebound off of the Georgia Tech debacle. But it's clearly with, you know, look at what's happened to the ACC. Syracuse started off 4-0. Miami started off 4-0. North Carolina started off 4-0. Florida State started off 
Um, you know, NC State was decent early on and made the quarterback change. But now all of a sudden the conference has faltered. And so all of this pressure has now fallen upon Florida State because the perception is, well, who's going to upend them? Well, that's the problem this time of year. Everybody's getting upended each and every week. <laughs> ask Oklahoma, ask Air Force. Um, and so to me, I think it could be a really good game. I do think it's a dangerous game for Florida State, but if they're mature enough to handle it, and they should be with, with the level of experience they have on that team, they do control everything right in front of them. Your game, when we talk chaos, 6.30 ABC, TCU has won seven of the last nine against Texas. So numerous different coaches involved in that. For whatever reason, TCU has found success against Texas. Um, if it is not Quinn yours, if it's Quinn yours, maybe. If it's not Quinn yours, Texas is prime for an upset here, it would seem. Yeah, I think so. Um, I just feel like they're playing with fire with Malik Murphy. Um, the, the, the way that game played out, which was a phenomenal football game in Austin last weekend, um, but that a lot of that was self-inflicted by by Texas, and, and much of it came from the quarterback position, not just in turnovers, but missed throws of open guys that would have moved the chains, uh, a bad decision in, in um, whether to give it or keep it type of scenario on a third and two, and then you don't get in, you're forced to punt. Like the second half, especially the fourth quarter, was really wonky. And get listen, give Kansas State credit, but the quarterback position in Texas does scare you a little bit, and you know they did move. Uh, Quinn Ewers up from week to week to day to day. What that tells me, um, and if I'm reading the tea leaves, is that this is no longer uh, if he could further harm himself. Right. It's a can he handle pain tolerance to whatever degree he would have to handle it. So if he's practicing, I will be shocked if he's not playing. Uh, doesn't mean that he's going to for sure, but I do think they need him. If he doesn't play. And Murphy is struggling. You're in a little bit of a quagmire. You know, just nothing's happening offensively. Can you see a scenario where Arch Manning gets a series just to spice things up, give Murphy a, a beat on the sideline? Could you see that scenario if yours is not available? I think it would have to be a complete meltdown because okay. I don't think it would be fair to Quinn yours. And Coach Sarkeesian, you know, kind of said as much going into the game we had two weeks ago against BYU. And that was... You know, if we can get him in the game and play him, all right, and we're not putting the entire program at risk in case something bad were to happen, then great. But just like last week, and Joel Klatt said it on the broadcast, you know, this is not the moment you put Arch Manning in a ball game. And at that time, I think it was 27-27 and right. everything was up in the air. Well, if you get into a quagmire with TCU and you're on the road, you're certainly not going to put him in unless, again, if this was a first quarter scenario where Malik Murphy fumbled it on the opening possession and then two possessions later, he throws a pick six. Now all of a sudden the game's early. There's a lot of football to be played, but if it's close late and we haven't seen Arch Manning, we're not no. going to see Arch Manning. Uh, I will not waste our time on Michigan state at Ohio state. Uh, that is six 30 NBC. You want to talk <laughs> chaos. That'd be complete chaos. Yes. It uh, but I will ask you about USC at Oregon, nine 30 on Fox and USC has just fired their defensive coordinator. Alex Grinch is out. Um, I, I don't know that there's a magic wand to fix that defense, but sometimes that's the way weird things happen. You fire a defensive coordinator, all of a sudden you have one of your better defensive performances. We know what Caleb Williams can do. It is on the road at Oregon, tough place to play. Can you see chaos in this one, perhaps? Oh, man. I, I want to say no, but it's one of those crazy games, and it's hard to just give a definitive no when the other guy's team's playing with number 13. Can you imagine what that Washington score would have been? 
Oh. USC didn't have Caleb Williams. Oh. I oh. mean, it's like 53 to three, right? Oh, yeah. and, and that's the thing. I've been saying that to you guys every week since the start of the team. This is a four and eight football team. Yeah. Maybe five and seven on a lucky day without that dude. And and what he did last week and what both of them, Michael Penix did as well. But even though you fire the coordinator, the players are still the same. And maybe it would be different if the opponent this week was different. But I think right. that's the, the thing. And listen, but hey, SC can score. Yeah. So if you can score and you can stay in it and you can be there in the fourth quarter, anything can happen. All right, here's ESPN's Tom Lugabill. This is Ball. I want to remind you of all of our promo codes uh, to reward those of you for sticking around with us at the end of the show. MyBookie.ag, code next round to get that 50% sign-on bonus up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag, code next round for that sign-on bonus. Also, Manscaped.com, products like the Handyman and others. Uh, code Brown20, Brown, my last name, Brown20. Uh, for 20% off your initial order there. And also Roback.com, 20% off with code TNR20. Your initial order, 20% off TNR20 is the code at Roback.com. And get all your plays at Lance'sLock.com. All right, Lugs, enjoy the game tonight. We'll see you next week on Ball. All right, sounds good, man. Have a good week.